Hey, this is Travis Bennett, the pastor here at Arena of Life Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I pray this builds your faith, encourages you, and brings you to newer levels in Christ. Enjoy the message. How many of y'all believe God is interested in lost things being found? How many of y'all know God is interested in lost things being won? Turning the end of the story, changing the end of the story. Just real quick, I know you've been standing long, but I want to read this passage of text to you. Band, if you want to go ahead and go, let's give them a hand this morning. Didn't they do awesome? It says in Luke's Gospel, chapter 15 and verse 4, this is a text where the tax collectors and sinners are following Jesus because the Bible says all men are drawn unto him. And the Pharisees and scribes, they begin to complain things and say, this man accepts everybody. And Jesus begins to tell them a story. He says in verse 4, What man among you, if he has hungered, if he has a hundred sheep and loses one of them, does not he leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he gets home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people have no, that have no need of repentance. Or that woman, if she has 10 silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep in the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found the lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over the sinner who repents. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that falls to me. So he divided the estate between them both. A few days later, the younger son gathered together everything and traveled to a distant country. And there he wasted his fortune on reckless and immoral living. Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to do without and be in need. So he went and forced himself on one of the citizens of the country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. He would have gladly eaten the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. But when he finally came to his senses and said, how many of my father's hired men have more food than enough, have more than enough food while I am dying here of hunger? I will get up, go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired men. So he got up, came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly a the best robe, put it on him, give him a ring on his hand, put sandals on his feet, and bring the fattened calf, slaughter it, and let us feast and celebrate. For this son of man, son of mine, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and has been found. So they began to celebrate. Now his older brother was in the field, and when he returned and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants and began asking what this meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But the elder brother became angry and deeply resentful, was not willing to go in. And his father came, in, came out and began pleading with him. But he said to his father, Look, these many years I have served you. I have never neglected or disobeyed your command, yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours arrived, who has devoured your estate and immoral women, you slaughtered that fattened calf for him. The father said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. Verse 32, but it was fitting to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live. You know why we celebrate today? It's because someone was dead, but now he is alive. He was lost, and now he's been found. Amen? Well, turn to your neighbor and say, this is for you. All right, turn to your other neighbor and say, you look like you've lost weight. Have you lost weight? Lie to him if you have to. 
All right, some of y'all diverted the question there. That's okay. All right, who's happy to be in the house of God on Easter? Amen. Well, I'm going to go ahead and give you fair warning. My favorite scripture in the Bible is, Blessed are the short-winded preachers, for they shall be asked to return. And uh, I'm going to tell you what Elizabeth Taylor told her latest husband, of her seventh husband. This won't be long. So you just lean in today, and I believe God has something in store for you. We have, I have declared over the last couple of weeks, uh, last three weeks, four weeks, and we're in this series called Homecoming. And we are declaring, not only as a church, but also as a community and as a country, that there is people in the world today, would you agree, if you've watched, if you've watched the news and know what's going on, there is people that are lost out there. There's a people out there that are into things that don't even make sense at all, and they need a homecoming. I'm believing God for you, for your sons and daughters to have a homecoming. Who can believe with me for that? I'm, I'm believing for your nieces and nephews to have a homecoming, your neighbors to have a homecoming, your president to have a homecoming. Come on, somebody. Amen. But in this particular text here, I, I see something about homecoming. I, I, and the reason... Lots of times we just read the story of the lost son or the prodigal son. But Jesus here, you got to understand the text of, of who he's talking to because they make, that, they make that statement to him. He hangs around sinners like it's a bad thing and he begins to tell them a story. Jesus was the best storyteller and he tells them the story of the parable of the lost son. Uh, but he also tells the parable of the lost coin and the parable of the lost sheep. And what I take from all three stories is this. First is this, we have a home in the Lord. How many of y'all agree that that one time in your, in, in your life that you are away from home, but then you, you accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, you prayed the sinner's prayer? 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, we are a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become brand new. And you may have been wayward at one time, but you came home to the Lord. Can I tell you, there is a home in the Lord. And there's no marriage. There is no children, there is no job, there is no amount of success that will be able to fill that gap. The Bible talks about from the very beginning in the book of Genesis that the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve, it says that they walked in the cool of the day in God's purpose and in his power and in his presence. Depending on the the translation that you read, that's what they did. But then sin came into the earth, and after the sin What has happened ever since, I believe this, when they left the presence of God, people have been homesick ever since. And that's why God wants you and me to share the homecoming good news gospel of Jesus Christ with others for them to come home. Because we were made for life at home with God. The second thing that I see in this whole chapter here is Jesus is always looking for us. Aren't you thankful that Jesus is looking for you? I love the scripture in Acts chapter 13 and verse 22. It tells this about Paul. If you've ever read the text before or about David, it says this. He said, I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. I found David. And if you know anything about David, he was a no good counterfeit. He was a messed up human being. He was running for mounts of his time. There was things that he did that messed up not only him and his family, but it messed up the whole culture and society of things, what would happen. And the Bible says, I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. You know, that encourages me that God came after me. How many of y'all know that even in your sin, even in times where you're messing up, that God is always looking for you? Even in the place, I love it that he says, the son of Jesse. Even if you come from a background of outlaws, lift your hand if you come from a background of outlaws. And if you don't raise your hand, I'm sure there is someone down the line that, you know, smuggled whiskey somewhere. So you might as well raise your hand because you come from sin. The Bible says we're all born sinners. Amen? We're all born sinners. And so he said, I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. Even all the things that I've done, all the things that I've said, as many times as I've messed up, God is still pursuing after me and he's pursuing after you. I love also this morning reading about the text. I read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he is risen. And in, in, the, in the text in Mark, it's my favorite because there's the angel of the Lord, and Mary is there, the ladies are there, and he says, I want to let you know that he's not here. There's an empty tomb. We might as well celebrate, too, that there's an empty tomb. Aren't you excited that there's an empty tomb? 
But what I love about the text in Mark is this, is he says, hey, he's gone ahead of you. He's not here right now, but he's gone ahead of you. And I want you to tell the disciples, but I especially want you to tell Peter. Why did he say especially tell Peter? He told him that because if you know the story, you know that he denied him three times. The worst part about it is he he told him, he said, you're going to deny me three times. That is the worst part about it. Like if I'm playing basketball against Jarrett, Jarrett tells me, hey, I'm going to... I'm going to juke left, I'm going to juke right, and then I'm going to dunk on you. That's okay. But then if he does it to me, that's even worse. (laughs) Because I knew what he was going to do, and he knew what he did. But think about what the three days that Peter went through. Think about how he felt the whole time. You know, like when somebody dies and all this regret, shame, guilt, condemnation comes on you. I wish I would have said this. I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have... I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. Can I, can I tell you, the devil's a liar. And the, the devil will put stupid stuff inside of your head. And so he's beginning to think when Jesus is gone, he's thinking to himself, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. But God sent an angel to these women. Hey, you tell Peter, but you tell the disciples, but you especially tell Peter. In the time of hurt, in the time of loss, in the time of despair, in the time of uh, a trend uh, or uh, distractions, I'm here to tell you, even in the midst of all your craziness, God is pursuing after you. He's pursuing after you. And what I love, the story in John chapter 20, it picks up that after the ladies tell him, the Bible says that John and Peter ran towards the empty tomb. You know what it did in him? It did something that God didn't care. I mean, he cared, but he didn't care that I denied him three times. He, cared, he loves me, and he's gone ahead of me. I'm here to tell somebody today that he's gone ahead of you, that he's gone ahead of you past the circumstance of what you, the, the, the ditch that you feel like you're in, that you think you can't get out of. I'm here to tell you he's gone ahead of you. And so in the text here, once again, second, I see that Jesus is always looking for us. Like he offended the religious leaders by eating with the lost and those who were not righteous, not clean, not good, uh, because that's who he is. The Bible is the, the Bible says that Jesus is the great physician, that he seeks to save the lost. The Bible says that he went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the enemy. Can I tell you? We serve the God of Hebrews 13, 8, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he did then is what he's doing now. And no matter how far you feel from the Lord, I'm here to tell you that he's coming after you. That he's seeking after you. That he wants a relationship with you. So I see we have a home in the Lord. Number two, I see that Jesus is always looking for us. But number three, I see this. Jesus takes great interest in lost things being found. I'll say that again. Jesus takes great interest in lost things being found. How many of y'all were lost at one time, but you've been made found? You might as well testify today. But even from the beginning of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, I mean, look look at the book of Revelation. Here's Apostle John who had been dipped in oil twice, that what history records. He drank oil. The king Domitian told him this, if you won't, if you won't bow down to or, 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 or burn incense to the God of Zeus, then I'm going to dip you in oil. Can you imagine this boiling oil? And they bring him out, and he's alive. So they're like, well, we got to do something with him. They send him to the island of Patmos. Don't you know that in his heart he's feeling at a place of loss? Because he's all by himself in a cave, the Bible says, on the island of Patmos. But that's where we get the book of Revelation because Jesus revealed himself to him even in that place of loss because God is interested in lost things being found. In Genesis, you look at the story of Joseph. Here is one that was lost for many years. He used Joseph to, uh, uh, to lead Egypt out of a place of famine. And then you, then you fast forward to the book of Exodus. God raised up Moses to, to set free these Israelites that have been lost in slavery. All these years, God raised up a deliverer. Can I tell you, God raised up a deliverer in Jesus once and for all that the lost would be found. And his name is Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Once and for all, the a permanent price for us. I think about the story in Daniel of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were at a place of loss that were going into the fire. 
and we may not ever come back. They turned it up even hotter. But as they looked in the fire, the fourth man in the fire was standing with them because God is interested in lost things being found. God is interested in dead things coming to life. If you've never heard the uh, sermon by S.M. Lockridge, you can look it up on YouTube. I hadn't heard it probably since last year, but it's been a while. But here's the text of the sermon. It says, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. How many of y'all know on Friday, Caiaphas thought he had won, getting rid of Jesus, but he didn't know that Sunday is coming. I, I love the text where it says that, that Peter was denying, and he says that Mary was crying, but Sunday was coming. On Friday, they put a crown of thorns on his head. They, put, they, they whipped him with a cat of nine tails, uh, stripes across his back. They... Um, they mocked him. They spit in his face. He carried the cross down to Vita Dolorosa. He went to the place of the skull where they crucified him. Nails in his hands on Friday. On Friday, nails in his other hands and in his feet. He died. He said, it is finished. He paid the debt for you and me, but they didn't know that Sunday's coming. Can I tell you, Sunday's here, and he's risen because God is interested in dead things coming to life. God is interested in lost things being found. Have you ever lost someone before? Like I have kids. I've lost kids. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Have you ever lost something before? All right? It's one thing to lose something, but when you lose one of your kids, it's like when Brandy outnumbers me three to one and I lose one. Isn't it a sense of joy when you find them? Like we were in the Millennial Mall in Orlando and lots of people are there. And I'm like, one, two, three. I'm missing one. And I go to the other adults, have you seen Anson? No. I've asked the kids, where's Anson? He's not here. 30 minutes. We don't know where Anson is. Go to the security guards. I'm going to people. Have you seen a kid about this tall? He smiles all the time. You probably saw his teeth. Isn't it something, the joy that happens when you find kids? How many of y'all have ever been lost driving before? We were in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and... I got so lost. I, we did. It was terrible. We put in the GPS this restaurant. The people on Facebook said, you got to go eat there. And so we put it in the GPS on our phones, and it takes us to this neighborhood. And I mean, it was like a maze to get into this neighborhood. And then, for some reason, we couldn't get out of the neighborhood. But how many of y'all know when you're lost, you get frustrated? And then you have a side seat driver that happens to be your spouse? And there's intensity from her and there's intensity from me. And we had a very intense moment because we were lost. And when you're lost, everybody else is lost. Dad, when you're lost, the whole family's lost. And so uh, on top of that, Addison's in the back. I can hear the phone dialing. She answers the phone. I said, who are you calling? She says, Gigi, I'm afraid you aren't going to get a divorce. I said, the last thing I need is one more woman in the mix of you and your mom telling me what to do because I'm lost. I'm telling you, it's terrible. How many of y'all have ever been just at a lost state? You've been at a loss of sense of direction like you don't know the wise decision to make in this finance. You've been lost on what to do. Last night, I was in a predicament, y'all. So it's Easter, and Brandy's like, you need to do some manscaping. And so I got these nose hairs that are sticking down into my beard. And she's like, we, we need to wax them. Well, this ain't nothing new to me. But the last time that I waxed, she bought the cheap Walmart Q-tips. And so I stuck that hard wax up in there. Well, when I pulled them out, all I had was the sticks and the wax was still stuck in my nose. So I had to get needle nose pliers. <laughs> oh, yeah, it hurts so bad. So like I'm digging my needle nose. They smelt like oil because I had them in oil for some reason. I stick them up on both sides. It's ripping my hair out as I'm trying to get a hold of this thing. And so I pull it, and the wax breaks, and only half of it comes. I mean, it was terrible. So I had to pull out wax out of my nose, both nostrils, and I said, did you get the right Q-tips? She goes, oh, the problem wasn't the Q-tips last time. It was the wax. I said, okay, well, that's fine. So she warms up this wax. This is a very vulnerable moment for me, so don't cast any judgment with your eyes at the moment, all right? And so she warms up this wax, and it's the kind that you peel off with the paper, and she doesn't know it. 
So I stick these Q-tips up in my, my nose, and I'm looking in the mirror, and that's when I said, I feel like such an idiot. And that's when Ketch said, you are an idiot. And I'm going to tell you, I did feel like an idiot after this. And so this wax is not the right kind of wax for this. And 10 minutes in, I'm like, Brandy, it feels like I got a nose full of boogers. It has not hardened. I feel like I got hair gel up there. And so when I pull it out, it's like string cheese. It just comes out like this. I got these long pieces of wax into my hands. It's all over my arms. And my nose is full of wax. She's laughing so hard. I'm like, honey, you're not helping me. This is, this is crazy. So I get the hard wax back out. Q-tips break again. So now I have hard wax mi mixed with, like, jelly up there. And so anyways, I get the hard wax pulled out. And that other wax is still in there. And she's like, well, we need to melt it. So I got a lighter. And <laughs> now my, my nose hairs, I burnt part of my beard, and I'm trying to melt that wax, and it's dripping out of, stripping out of my nose. I'm like, this is not working. I was in such a sense of loss of direction. So then finally, I get a napkin, and I go like this, and half the napkin is like all over my nose. It's stuck to the wax. I'm like, Brandy, I got to preach the gospel in the morning. It looks like I've been snorting cocaine the whole night. How am I going to preach the gospel to these people? I was in such... How many of hey, don't judge me right now. And I'm never doing this again. I'm not listening to her on anything of waxing. Men don't wax. Tried telling her that before. But how many of you have ever been in a loss of direction before where you don't know what to do? All right? Me neither. I don't know if that was the answer with the lighter, but praise the Lord. Look at this. My nose still sticks together. I hope you didn't get that on record. This is crazy. All right, moving on. It's loss of direction. Think about this. Um, I, I just think that it's important as he's talking about all three stories. It's the same sense of coming into the kingdom of God. We must all experience the place of being lost before we can be found. It's like in our life. Uh, have you ever lost a job before where you've told yourself, God, I thought you gave me this job. And then you lost it. And you're at a place where you're like, it's the end of the world. Or you felt like God gave you that man or God gave you that woman. And you lost that relationship with that spouse. Or maybe it was that girlfriend. And you thought you would never find love again. I want to say again, the devil is a lie. That's garbage. You, you can find it. Or, or maybe you're at a place where... Uh, um, you're caught up in a loss of maybe some dishonesty, things that maybe you've said and you've caught yourself in a lie, or maybe there's lies that's been said against you, and you're at a place of loss because uh, of what things have been said. Maybe it's at a, you're at a place of loss through um, immorality. Maybe there's an addiction that you're caught up in. Maybe people know about it. Maybe people don't know about it. Maybe it's a habit or a mindset of whatever it is. Maybe it's you're at a place of loss because of depression and mental illness, can I tell you that God sets the captives free? Can I tell you you can have, uh, cast all your care on him for he cares for you? I'm telling you, you can leave here today with thoughts of good and not of evil because he is interested in lost things being found. But real quick, I want to talk about four scenarios in the story. The first story, we see the story of the good shepherd and he finds the sheep that he leaves the 99 to go after the one. This one, the first scenario that I want to talk about is sometimes we're lost because of busyness. Think about what sheep do. They put their head down. They begin to eat. And if we're not careful in the busyness of life, we'll put our head down and work and work and work. I, I'm, I'm be honest. I'm guilty of this. Where we work and work and work and we find ourselves, we end up in a pasture that we don't need to be in. We end up in places that we don't need to be because we're so busy. It's like this uh, in, in Revelation chapter 2 when the angel is uh, talking to Paul or when Jesus is talking, sorry, to John uh, uh, about this church in Ephesus. He's saying to him, he's saying that you got so caught up in the system that you forgot to love me. Can I tell you, you can get so busy that you forget to love the Lord. 
The second scenario is the, the place of the coin, the coin being found, and it's uh, a sense of carelessness, that through neglect and through clutter and through carelessness, you can be in the wrong place at the wrong time. But even the coin could be found. So the first one is busyness. The second one is carelessness. But then the third one we see, and we know this story by heart. It's the story of the prodigal son. And it's the one who went off in careless living. And this is one that was lost because he chose to be lost. He made the choice to live in rebellion. He made the choice to live in careless living. He made the choice to turn his back on God. I believe this story is very evident that we can turn our back on the Lord. There's lots of people say, no, you can't. God loves you. Yes, he does. But it doesn't mean that you always do. And so he turns his back on the Lord and he makes the choice because the Bible tells us this, that finally he comes to himself, meaning he made the choice to walk away, but he also made the choice to come back. The fourth scenario that I want to talk to you about is the other brother, and he's the one who is lost and he don't even know it. He's not aware of being lost. How many of y'all know people that are caught up in pride? They're know-it-alls. They know everything, and you try to give them wisdom. You try to give them advice, but they already know everything. You know those people out there? All right? There may be some of you that raise your hand, and you're that person. I just want to tell you, those are the scariest ones. When I read the text here, I think it's the most tragic because he didn't break the rules, but he missed out on his father's extravagant love. And I'm telling you, His love, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love, is what the Bible says. And so just real quick, I want to talk about, just give me 15 more minutes real quick here. I want to talk about the story of the prodigal son. And I want to point out four characters that are in here that I see that are important in the text. Four. And my Bible says the parable of the lost son. Your your Bible might say the parable of the prodigal son. And as I read the text... In light of the way direction that I'm going today, I want you to see it like this. I can't tell you which son is more lost. The one who's the prodigal, the one who is that we'll call the rebellious, or the one who is religious. Because they're both lost. And this is a great story. We've heard politicians talk about this. We've heard athletes talk about this story. This is a famous story. But let's look at it in a whole different direction. The first character I want to point out is the father. You know, when I say the word father, already in the room, there's people that you're having great thoughts inside of your head because of your father. You're thinking about somebody who provided for you, that loved you, that was there for you, that called you, that tucked you in bed at night, that prayed for you, that was a hard worker, that provided, that loved your mother, all of those things. But maybe there's some of you in the room that you think about a father that maybe was gone too early here on this earth. Maybe it was a sense of loss, a sense of despair that maybe he was in the bottle too much. Maybe he was caught up in his own life. I just want to point that out today because uh, culture tells us that 18.3 million kids in the earth today don't have a dad. And can I tell you, it's important that dads live inside the home and raise their children and do the right thing. But regardless of how your father was, I want to tell you this. You can leave here today knowing that we have a father that loves us And he'll forgive us as far as the east is from the west. He wants to put a ring on your finger. He wants to put shoes on your feet. He wants to put a rope around your neck. He wants to love you. And he's pursuing after you. And in this text, I see a father that's a good businessman. I see a father that's taking care of business. In fact, he is leaving... He is leaving things for his children's children, inheritance for his children's children. I see that the things that he has, he has the ability to pass on to his generation now and then the generation after him. He's obviously been caught up in affairs. I see this as a person who is given to the poor. He's given because the Bible says given will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. I see this as a man that's conducted himself good in the home. He is farmed. He has set things up right, so he's a good dad. Then the next one in the text, we see the boy that comes to him and says, hey, I'm ready to go off. This is a boy who gets his inheritance. In fact, the Bible says that both of them get the same inheritance at the same time because he, he divided it amongst both of them. But he decides to leave the home, and he goes off. And he goes to the big city. He does things one day... I'm sure he thought he was a boy. There were some days he thought he was a girl. 
I'm sure he was caught up in all kinds of immorality, homosexuality. He was caught up in drugs, snorting things up his nose, putting things in his arm, drinking things, all, all the kinds of things. But the Bible says a famine hit the land. You know what that tells me? Gas prices went up, right? Gas prices went up, uh, food went up, and he realizes to himself, I can't live like this anymore. And he finds himself in a, in, in a pig swine, the Bible says. In fact, the, the story of Jesus telling this, all of these were Jewish people. And for him to de be dealing with, with, with pigs was the lowest of low that a man could go. And so here he is. He's with pigs, and it, he, the Bible says he comes to himself. How many of y'all had that moment in your life that you come to yourself, that I can't live in the pig swine no more? that I've got to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Come on, who's, who's, who was in that place at one time where you came to Jesus? And so the Bible, I'm just telling this real, real quick because there's an ending here that I want to show you. And so he comes to himself and he goes to the Father. And the Bible says this, that the Father, I see him as this. I see him as the dad that's looking out the window the whole time. Can I tell you, I don't care how lost you are in an addiction right now. I don't care who you've hurt, who you've turned your back on. The Lord is still looking through a lens saying, when's my daughter coming home? When's my boy coming home? He can see the outlook of him. He can see like, oh, he looks rough. But I can't wait to see him. The Bible says he ran. Oh, men don't run. Unless it's like away from the doctor's office or running from a crime but can you just see him he's picking up his robe and he runs after him and the bible says in the greek that he kisses him and kisses him and kisses him he's so excited that he sees him can i tell you how important it is dads that you are affectionate to your children it's so important that I, i'm telling you god is affectionate to us and i i mean it it's so important that us as dads especially to our boys that we're affectionate to them now don't do it after they hit a double run into the dugout and kiss him in front of all his friends but I think it's important that we're affectionate, affectionate to our kids because that's the way God is to us. And so the Bible says that he puts a ring on his finger. You know what that tells us? History, to get that ring means put him back on the checking account. Give him the, the credit card that belongs to the family. Everything that I have, it still belongs to you, son. The fact that he put shoes on his feet. The only people that didn't have shoes were slaves. He was so enslaved to sin that his dad put some shoes on his feet. He said, let's kill the fatted calf. He said, let's, have, let's, have, let's rejoice. And so you know the rest of the story. The older brother who's out there working, he comes in. And he sees what's going on and says, what is happening here? I've been out doing what I'm supposed to do. And what I see in the text is he begins to point to the dad and said, you did this. Can you believe that you are, 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 are making a meal for the, for the guy who turned his back on you? I didn't turn my back on you, but yet you, you, you didn't give me a ring. You didn't give me a robe. You didn't kill the fatted calf for me. Look what you're doing here. And the father loved him just as much as he loved the other one. But this is the, the, the religious son who's so caught up in the system that he forgot to love and so as i was thinking about this text and him pointing fingers at him i wanted to ask the question this morning to a group of people and ask you which one are you because both are lost see one broke the rules i see this one as being very liberal here he breaks the rules one broke the rules, but the other one, the good son, the more conservative son here, the one who's um, the religious one, he didn't break the rules. One was disobedient. The, one, the other one was obedient. The rebellious son was lazy. Y'all know any lazy people out there today? All right, just checking. I know a bunch of them. But the religious the religious boy, he was a hard worker. The rebellious son, he used people. But yet the religious one, he judged people. The, the religious or the, or the rebellious son, he was unrighteous. The religious one, he was self-righteous. 
they were both, both the rebellious and the religious, they were both using their father and not loving him. The rebellious one used him to go to sin. The religious man used him to build a legacy of what would be mine. So I want to ask you again, which one are you? You know, the one I want to be is I believe is the third son in the story. John, if you want to go, go ahead and come and play. He's the third son in the story. And it's the one who's telling the story. It's the son of God. The third son is, is looking at some people of, of what he, he, he he's, he's hitting. He's, there is no stone being uncovered. The Bible, let me tell you where Jesus at in this particular place in his ministry. The Bible says in Luke chapter 9 and verse 51, it said that he turned his face towards Jerusalem and it set his course there because it's in Jerusalem that he would come, that he would die, he would be buried, but on the third day, he would rise again. So he's telling this story, the Son of God. And I want to tell you, I want to be more like this son rather than the rebellious son or the religious son. Because I'm telling you, the Son of God loved the rebellious and he loved the religious. He loved the busy one, but he also loved the careless one. He's pointing this out to all of them. And I just want to ask the question, which one are you? Can you say that you're at a relationship with the Lord that The Bible says we live and move and we have our being in Him. I said it before and I'll say it again in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We are a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become brand new. I want to ask you, which one are you today? Are you one who has chose to walk in sin? Or are you one that points out the person in sin? Are you the one who is unrighteous? Or are you the one that's self-righteous? I'm here to tell you today. You wouldn't have any righteousness if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. It's not what I've done. It's not the things. It's not because of my reading of the word or my prayer. It's because of everything that Jesus has done. I get to do what I get to do today. It's because of his righteousness. So thinking about the text, I was thinking about how Jesus with us The Bible says he clothes us in righteousness, in a robe of righteousness. The Bible tells us at the end of the book that we'll have a great feast. And it'll be a feast that is set by Jesus. I want to remind most of you in the room today, for we, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrated his own love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I want to remind you of Isaiah 53 and verse 5. It says, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. The rebellious son, he left the home, but he came back home. The religious one, he pointed fingers at the one who came home. But the Bible said, says he wouldn't even go in the home. Can I tell you? There's people in this room today that you're so religious that you may be here, but you're not here. You might be in the house, but you haven't had that homecoming experience. This is a great reminder to us that we can turn our backs on Jesus Christ. I don't care what amount of things, how good you are, how great worker you are. I've never done drugs, Pastor. I've never drank. I've never smoked. I've never done all those bad things. But here's the deal. If you don't get excited when that person comes into Christ, you're a long ways from God. Here's the last part of the story that I can't wait to share with you. Let's all stand to our feet. Josephus writes, and also friends that I have that's gone to, this is my favorite thing about this text. 
Josephus writes this. He was a writer that was born after Jesus was even crucified. And he tells the history of the land. And what was so amazing about this particular text of the parable of the lost son. The parable of the lost son is this. And now that I, that I say that to you, can you see which, more, which son was more lost? They were both lost. But I think the one who's more lost is the one who doesn't even know he's lost. But Josephus writes this. He says that this was a story that everybody in the room knew. Everybody knew it. In fact, as he began to tell it, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Romans, the Jews, this was like the story of the boy who cried wolf. Everybody knew the beginning from the end. But the way the story was that they had heard it many times, they heard it like this. They heard it that when the boy came home, when he finally came to himself and he came home, the dad was there at the gate ready for him. And the Jewish law said this, you've broken the rules. I'm going to have you to die. You're going to die today because you broke the rules. So when Jesus begins to tell this story, he changed the ending. I'm going to say that again. Jesus changed the ending. So when he got to the park, when the father saw the son, they had never heard this part of the story before. They had never heard that, the, that, that Jesus, that the father, ran after him, that he picked him up, he hugged him, he kissed him, he put a ring on his finger, put a, put a robe over his back, he put sandals on his feet and said, let's kill the fatted calf. That was completely different because can I tell you, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the enemy. And he runs after him and he changed the story. Can I tell you? Jesus changed the story once and for all. Why are we here today? Everybody said that he was dead, that he was gone. They whipped him. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They put, put nails in his hands, nails in his feet. He said, it is finished on the cross that it was over. I did the work, God, that you called me to do. But in three days, he changed the story. He was no longer dead. Things were lost. Things were gone. He changed the end of the story. I'm here to tell you this morning, I want to ask you and yourself, do you need the end of the story changed for you today with every head bowed, with every eye closed? Don't let this just be another Easter where we ate deviled eggs and ate ham, drank iced tea, had banana pudding. Listen, it's not about that. It's about a God that changed the story for you and me. So I, with every head bowed, with every eye closed, I want to ask some people in the room today, which one are you in the story? Are you the one that's so caught up in the busyness of life that you're ended up in a place that you don't like to be? In fact, you can find yourself today, you're in church. Well, we, we finally got here because you've just been so busy doing other things. I'm telling you, the Bible says, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, especially in these last days. It's so important that you're in the house of God. Or are you the one that's lost the penny that through carelessness and clutter, through negligence, that you lost it. I'm telling you, he wants to find you today. Or are you the rebellious son who's made the choice to go out? You've been making choices that you know that are not wrong. They're, they're, they're totally against the way that you were raised. This boy was raised right. This boy was raised different. But you've made some choices to turn your back on God. And you run the other way. I'm going to tell you today, you can have a homecoming and come home. And there is a home in the Lord. The fourth one is this, the one who's religious, the one who's been pointing fingers. It could even be political. I can't believe they don't think the way that I think. Don't they know that we're in the middle of all this stuff? Don't they know these things? I'm a hard worker. I do this. I, I, I do the right things. I know what I know is right. That's the thing. You know what you know is right, but is it right with God? Or are you like the fifth one in the story, the one who's telling the story? 
is Christ living you and you are a reflection of Him in everything that you say and do. I'm telling you, if you're in the room today and you say, you know what, Pastor, one of those is me. And I feel like I've lost my connection, my relationship with God. But today, I want to get things right. I don't want to leave here today not knowing Jesus is my Lord and personal Savior. If you feel you're like you're lost out there, don't leave here without being found. Dads, do it for your families. Moms, do it for your families. Get things right. So I'm going to ask this question. If you're out there and you say, you know what, I'm lost. Based on the things that you just said. I'm the rebellious one. I'm the religious one. I'm the carefree one. I'm, I'm the busy one. The Bible tells us we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you're out there and you say, Pastor, that's me. You got to do three things. You got to admit that you're a sinner. Number two, you got to believe that he would died, he was buried, and on the third day rose again. The third thing is this. Confess him as your Lord. And he come live on the inside of you. Don't leave here today lost. Leave here found. Coming home in Jesus' name. So before we pray this prayer, I want to know who I'm talking to. If you say, you know what, Pastor, I'm, I can say that I'm lost. There was five people in the service that came forward and said that was them. Is there anybody out there? Let me count to three. One, you're busy. You're in the wrong pasture you need to be in. You're away from God. Number two, be careless living. It's made you veer off. Number three, you're either rebellious or religious. Go ahead, raise your hand if that's you in here. Come on, with every head bow, with every eye closed. Is there anybody? I see that hand. Amen, I see that hand. I see that hand back there. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? You say, you know what? I need to leave here being found. Come on, just be honest with me. Anybody else? Lift your hand. Praise God. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see it. You can go ahead and put it down. Let's pray together. Say, Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. But today, I'm coming back to you. I believe that you died, you were buried. And on the third day, you rose again. I confess you as my Lord. Forgive me of my sin. From this day forward, I'll serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And that first text talks about the lost sheep. It's the story of Jesus coming to this earth on a land that was lost. And he shared the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's, a, he's, he's the shepherd that put the lamb on his back. The Bible says, cast all your care on him for he cares for you. The rest of the story says that when one came to Christ, everybody in heaven rejoiced. And so this is what I'm going to do. If you say, you know what, Pastor, that was a vulnerable moment for you. And you lifted your hand and said, you know what? I prayed that prayer today because I need to come back to Jesus. I saw several hands in the room. Raise your hands. We want to rejoice with you. The Bible says, confess me before men, and I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. So if that's you today, we want to pray for you. Don't leave this Easter without being found. So if you raise your hand, we want to rejoice. Go ahead and come forward. If that was you, do you raise your hand? Just be bold today. Just be bold if that was you. Come on, come on. There's more in the room. There's more in the room. Come on. The Bible says that they rejoiced. They rejoiced. They rejoiced. Amen. Amen. Come on, come home. Come home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Y'all come in here. Y'all come in here. Hey, 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 hey. This is what it's all about right here. It's what it's all about right here. It's what it's all about right here. Lost being found. This is what God is interested in. Dead things coming to life. How many of y'all believe something dead is coming alive today? 
something's dead. It may have been dormant for a time, but it's coming to life. In Jesus' name, stretch your hands out toward these. God, I pray for these right now in Jesus' name. God, that they've been humble enough to say, God, this Easter, I'm reminded of the sacrifice that you were for us. And God, I thank you that you forgive us as far as the east is from the west. And I pray, God, right now, Lord, that you're doing a work, that you're opening eyes to see, ears to hear. I pray, Lord, that you're using us as a church, God, to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, as they come home today, I pray that you are receiving them with open arms. God, that you're doing a work, God, in these dads and these moms. God, I pray that right now, right now, that they would feel your touch. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding, guarding their hearts, guarding their minds. And Lord, I pray that today they are leaving here knowing that they are free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I pray, God, that you would guard their, they would guard their heart with all diligence. For out of it springs the issues of life. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise. Come on, give God praise. Thanks for joining us. We want to thank all of you who give to our ministries here at AOL Church. It's because of you that all of this is possible. You can give now by clicking the link below. And if you haven't already, subscribe and share this message. It helps us reach more people and share the gospel through you. Be sure to stay connected to us through our Church Center app, our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and follow us on social media like Facebook and Instagram. May the Lord bless you and keep you. His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. Thanks again for listening. Go and make a difference today.